You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bueno Seta, welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us, download the POD cast on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. It's finally here. You can smell the smell of the smell of football in the air, in the air. And we're going to get to that to the second, along with the Say the Lions training camp notes, training camp superlatives, all kind of fun things here right around the corner on this edition of the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, before we do that, let's introduce everyone. I am Christopher Fett, your adequate host on Twitter at Christopher Fett. Uh, deprived of sleep, deprived of health, but not deprived of football, and certainly not on this podcast. Joining me, as always, the fearless leader, the editor-in-chief of PrideDetroit.com, Jeremy Reisman. At Detroit, at Detroit Online on Twitter. Thank you. You, you almost did. You pause, are you about to stick something in in between me and, and my Twitter handle? Am I getting a, a cut? No, Damn I'm it. not going to stick. Right. I'm not going to stick anything there. And you can take that completely out of context, all you'd like. Please, no, please don't. And no yeah. one clip that live on our live show, please. See, see, you were you were going to do something there, but I'm just gonna absolutely not. To How dare yeah. you suggest I would? I'm better than that. <laughs> and of course, the third man. Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, are you ready? I'm I'm always ready to go, but I I think what can be said for Jeremy wanting his own little audio drop can just be blank airspace. And it's the same reaction I had to seeing Fred Durst's new look. Complete silence. Uh, So not to invoke the scraps right away, but I feel like during the break, I want to talk about Woodstock 99 which I haven't seen the documentary yet, but I've heard very interesting things about that, including our good friend Fred Durst, the zeitgeist, the idol god, the household god of this show, as it were. Big so props we'll to, to Fred Durst. And in true Limp Biscuit fashion, let's get rolling with Detroit Lions football. Well, I've got a couple notes before we do that. And it's good that we have Ryan here now because Ryan and I just finished recording and putting on the feed our new gambling podcast, One Leg at a Time. That's right. We've added another offering to the Pride of Detroit family. Ryan came to me and said he wanted to do a very quick gambling podcast each week. So we recorded 70 minutes on the NFC futures odds for win totals. Yeah, it sounds pretty quick. It's yeah. a big conference. A lot of teams. A big conference. You just, wait, te- you just did the NFC? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> you are you aren't ever going to be able to cut an episode's 20 minutes ever i think when we get to the season it's not going to be these mega previews we're going to probably just do some best bets and some bits but i think next episode not only are we previewing the afc we're going to tell you why it's good and profitable to gamble on the preseason a take that jeremy is going to just his brain is going to explode when he hears this but it's true. I, here's the thing. I'm not going to hear it, and I'm going to look straight down the barrel of my camera. Do not listen to them. You listen to the podcast, but do not take their advice. Do absolutely do not gamble on the preseason. Please. Dude, you can make I, You can make good money in the preseason, and I have it from Sharps at that. Anyway. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy's so mad. Um, I'm about to make him more mad because the time of football is now at hand. We have finally gotten through everything. We've got actual to football to talk about. Jeremy, are you ready? Do you know what I am talking about here? The Hall of Fame game? No, the Canadian Football League kicks off this week. Oh, God. (laughs) No, uh, yes, we are having the Hall of Fame game this week, but we also have training camp. But before we're going to get Jeremy's notes on training camp here in a second, but before we do that, I figure that it is time to do present what I believe is our first of several state of the union addresses for the Detroit Lions, the state of the Lions, as it were. We've just had a very long offseason, and we know that the Lions are under a plan for long term growth and development. And so I feel like we're going to have to deliver, s- deliver several updates on a what we think the Lions have their goal has been B, did they accomplish it? since the last time we give the state address and then see what are the goals for next time. And someone from Twitch chat, Chromon, our good friend saying it's the state of the pride address. And I, I like, like that. I like it. The SOPA, the SOTPA. So I think we'll just work on the acronym. I'll just spa. For, you don't need to do the O and the T. State mm, of the pride I, address. I could, I, could really, I could really use a spa right now. <laughs> I could really use like a sauna. So let's get started. This has been a very long offseason for the Lions, a very busy one, new coach and everything. So, Jeremy, I would ask you, what do you think the goal of the Lions has been up until this point? Let's just say from the night of the draft until now. Well, I mean, quite literally, I think it's it's install of the offensive defensive scheme. It's it's send these guys home with playbooks. Obviously, you had OTAs and minicamp as well to, to kind of work out some of the kinks on the field. Um, but the, the goal up until training camp is to get these guys familiar, familiar, uh, fam, familiar, familiarity. Let's just, let's, let's just familiarity. say familiar, familiar, familiar. with the, uh, the 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 playbook, the verbiage um and and just kind of the basic idea of, of what this defense and what this offense wants to be so that they can come into camp and just do it and just work on the techniques work on you know certain plays and things like that but i think up until now the the, the whole goal is, is essentially just getting familiarized with the schemes i mean there are other stuff too and i'll let some of you guys tackle that but i think the main primary goal up until august is to get that scheme in your head have they done that ryan do you believe that up until this point they have accomplished how, what what do you see their progress on that goal as as being maybe as a percent 
Oh, as a percent. Wow. Now, now the question gets even more difficult because um, I don't like numbers, but I do love gambling. So what a what a crossroads I'm at in life. Um, OK, so I, I think in terms of accomplishing what they've set out to do, I think this week is going to be a clear indicator of a a more a more clear percentage point at, at which they've gotten to that point because the pads come on. And I think that when it comes to offense installs and defense installs, there's only so much you can tell when the pads aren't on because, I mean, there's no real tell of offensive and defensive line play. And if the Lions have done anything this offseason, it's kind of established their trenches, building up their defensive line with, you know, additions like Michael Brockers, bringing back Romeo Aquara, um, you know, the rookies they drafted and Ali McNeil and, and, and Levi. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, they put the finishing touches on it with Panay Sewell. You get Vitae back and healthy, but none of those guys really pop until you get pads on. So, you know, I'm I'm going to give them an incomplete grade because I'm a teacher and I can do that. No, we're going to have another uh, State of the Lions, State of the Pride after the preseason at the start of September because we're going to have one on Monday for the first September. So we'll, I'll bring we'll, my we'll memo. Back. I'll be yeah, ready. We'll bring, yeah. yeah, we'll bring we'll bring that back. We'll table that part. Uh, Jeremy, I want you to grade where they're at on this, because I feel like they're in my mind. Another element that they've had so far has been installing a new culture. Yep. And it's been to be not only top down, but just just completely transformative, both on how systems are put into place as far as who controls what parts of scheme making of play calling, of designing offensive schemes, controlling certain position groups, but also just in general too, the idea that you're creating a new locker room culture, which I get that winning is the panacea that will justify everything. But up until this point, it's always been, I I go back again to our interview with Jamal Williams, that Lions fans sometimes have this, malaise about them where they think constantly about the past and the good and the point when you're a new coach is to say screw the past let's not focus on that let's build something new that gets everyone to buy in and put them puts them on a singular vision so jeremy how far how far along do you think the lions are on that bullet point well if you can call anything a success in the offseason building a culture is 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 the the biggest success that this team has has had so far and it's funny you say you mentioned the the looking back on the past thing and and, and ignoring that and just trying to build something now that's exactly what Deuce Staley said today with the media when someone asked him you know how how do you finally turn around a running game in the city that has failed for two decades and he says you know i i could easily go back and and focus on some of the bad things that have happened in this um in, in this franchise, but why not? Why not just focus on what I can build now? And that's exactly what they're doing. And and I, I think culture, like you said, it, it, it goes in a lot of directions. It's building that delegation in, in the front office and the coaching staff saying, this is your job. This is your job. Deuce Staley obviously has a lot of jobs now that he's the assistant head coach. Um, and it, I mean, listen, we haven't hit any turbulence yet, so everything seems to be going swimmingly. But I mean, it, it's it's night and day from last year. There's just no question about and you're it when seeing it comes that, to and players. You're, you're seeing that on the front lines because at training camp, yeah. Like, can yeah. you tell me, like, training camp, I'm sure the attitude's got to be completely different this year. Oh, 100%. And every year, training camp is a pretty positive time for the players. They're excited to be back. You know, it can be grueling, and, and it was certainly grueling, probably more so under Matt Patricia than it will be under Dan Campbell. 
Um, and that's not to say they're not working hard because of course they are, but everyone is smiling. They're having a lot more fun and, and you can see it. But I, I think you can see it benefit the players on the field. Like they're playing with a lot more confidence. Jeff Okuda looks like a completely different player. Um, and, and part of that is probably just shaking off rookie nerves as, as well. But Jeff Okuda, like it, it's the same guys that, that we've talked about all off season that you can really see it with. It's Jeff Okuda. It's Tracy Walker. It's TJ Hawkins. They, they've really kind of pushed their personality to the forefront, let them be themselves a little bit more. And I think that makes them a little more loose on the field. And I mean, I mean, th- I, we'll get a little bit more into Dan Campbell and, 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 you know, how much of his stuff is rubbing off and how much you believe in him. But the, the up down thing, like, I think it's worth talking about, even though it's silly, even though it's it's, you know, another probably punching line for for national headlines. But I think the most telling part about the culture of this team happened with the up downs. And it was it was first Dan Campbell did it with the defense on the first day of practice. They all did 40 up downs. Then Bruce Hector comes to the team a day after they did all the, the up downs. He has to go do up downs by himself with the defense just surrounding him and watching him. And that's, you know, that's a tough spot to be put in. And so the players around 25, they all started doing the up downs with him. And that's exactly what Dan Campbell is trying to do. He's trying to make it so that he does like, he's trying to install the culture so that he can back off and let the, the lines kind of police themselves in, in, in a sort of way. And he said it like you, you, if you go around the, the best franchises, in the NFL, you look at the Steelers, you look at the, the Packers, you look at the Patriots. Those are self kind of f- self serving, self lifting teams that, that really get their leadership from within, not from the coaching staff. And so we're, we're already seeing Dan Campbell install that in his own team. Now, again, no turbulence, no losses, nothing really, you know, affecting this team in a negative way yet. So once they hit that turbulence, that's when we're really going to see what happens. But for Dan Campbell to turn around a culture and, and, and make this team look unrecognizable from whatever, where it was last year. That's a success, a major success. Ryan, I want to go to you. Do you have a uh, point on the lions that you think that they've wanted to work on up until this point? Um, I don't, I don't know if I have anything just because. Yeah. If you don't I, I'm, move on, we'll move on. Yeah, to what you see move on. I just wanted yeah. to make sure. I just, yeah. Yeah. Okay, then why don't each of us then give the one thing you want to see the Lions you think is the next part of the plan? Again, with the mind that we are reconvening the state of the pride here in, let me count the weeks, one, two, three, four, five weeks on September 6th. At the start of September, we will once again reconvene the state of the Lions right before the season. So what do you want to see between now and September worked on the most? I I want to see what happens when turbulence hits because it's going to hit sooner rather than later like there's going to be there's going to be downs and there's going to be adversity and there's going to be things that this team is going to face really early on i need to see how they react because it's really easy for michael brockers to talk about you know nobody has any expectations for us they they think we're all going to be losers you know just wait till you know wait till the game starts and 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 then we'll figure things out well we will figure things out and this is a football team that is fairly i mean it's it's lacking in talent now what it's hoping to do is to make up for that lacking in talent with you know a a rock solid culture with good coaches and maybe they can they can win some games out that way 
But this is a team that's going to face adversity and they're going to lose football games. I want to see how they react to that adversity and if they're willing to rise up to the challenge, as I think Dan Campbell is hopefully setting themselves up for. Um, it, it seems like they're trending in that direction. But I, I'm, I'm with Jeremy in the sense that, like, you can't really you can't really put a stamp on whether or not it's been su- successful or not um, in terms of installing that new culture until you start to face some of those road bumps. For, for me, the thing that I, I need to see really blossom in the next month is the offense identity, because I feel like the defense has really shined in the first week of training camp. And we, you know, when we talk about all these guys that are that are looking a lot better, that are looking a lot more happy, a lot of it is focused on the defense. Like they're playing with a lot of swagger out there. They're running around having a lot of fun. The offense isn't having as much fun so far. And again, we'll, I'll get a little bit more into that and, and what exactly is going on when we talk exactly about the, the camp observations I've seen. But Jared Goff, I, he needs to win me over. The wide receiving crew needs to win me over. And, and a lot of this is, is, might come later when, when they can you know, run some, some true play action and, and you know, put the pads on and be more physical and run live reps. But they, that side of the ball, to me, it, it's weird because I probably went into the offseason thinking the complete opposite. Like, this defense had a lot to prove after last year while the offense, well... On paper, they, they've got a couple playmakers. They've got a good offensive line. Now now the tide has shifted in the other direction. Now I'm starting to believe a little bit in the defense, or at least believe in the future of the defense. The offense, I'm still kind of scratching my head about. So I want to see the offense develop an identity, make some good plays, and, and some you know have some players other than you know Swift and Hawkinson really kind of show out. I think for me what I want to see and what we're going to probably learn in the preseason is going to be like what do we really have with the defense because yes i think the defense is doing well right now in training camp against the lions offense but you need to kind of take the fish out of its pond and see how it's going to do against other fighting fish and i want to see like going on to that too you just want to see this kind of competition never quit going into the preseason itself. Some teams take the preseason a lot more seriously than others. It's not that that's a bad or a good thing, but when you've got a lot of guys who are either playing for their jobs or playing to prove that last year wasn't that they weren't uh, like it was more Patricia than it was them. I kind of want to see them ball out. I do. I want to see how well they're going to do against the teams. The three games the Lions are going to have in the preseason, three chances. You, there's not going to be there's not going to be, I think, that fourth game where everyone's just taking time off. So you have more reps for first and second team. And hopefully we'll start to see more of what this squad is and how it's going to stack up before we get into September and answer that question of how much this was, Patricia. Or how much of this was talent that might still need to get jettisoned? I, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times on, on several podcasts. I don't think I've ever been more excited for a preseason, right? Like yeah. a, a total new regime, so many questions. Um, this team really needs a true litmus test because, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's necessarily fair to judge this team based on playing against itself because we don't we don't know how good the offense is. We don't know how good the defense is. So when when one performs over the other. Is that a sign of one strength or a sign of the other's weakness? Preseason game three is traditionally the tune-up game. The Lions will have the Colts. Now, without Carson Wentz, that could be a little dicey to try to evaluate. But guess what? You have the Bills and the Steelers for your other preseason games. Bills is going to be a hell of a way to start this kind of team-on-team competition. Yeah, and and we also don't really know how teams are going to strategize the preseason. We, Dan Campbell's yeah, been asked that a couple times. Way. He's like, yeah. he's like, I don't really know. Like, 
I'm thinking we, we probably want to play our starters in, in week three, even though that's the final preseason game, because they, they're going to need time to, to you know, get some rust off. But there's no guarantee that everyone else plays like there's not a, a precedent here. So we don't know if everyone's going to follow the same formula. Maybe the Lions are playing starters in week three against the Colts, but the Colts aren't. Um, so it, it, it's going to be just kind of a weird thing that, that we have to get used to. But either way, I think going up against a, a different opponent is going to be helpful. Does it bother you at all, Jeremy or Chris, that the Lions don't have any joint practices? Not as much. Um, I mean, I, I kind of want to see it, but usually the only news we ever get out of those joint practices is guys getting into fights. So I'm not I, it's it. it it sucks that we're not going to get them just because I feel like, again, going to preseason is important to us as observers of the Lions that I almost want to see it. But I don't think I'm going to learn more out of it than I will against an actual preseason game where teams are putting on the pads and going out there and really just playing under proper rules. So we'll see. I, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt there's a benefit to it to having it and so the lines are missing out on that is it a huge benefit in year one when the lines are doing a lot of kind of focus inward right now trying to make sure they 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 know what they're doing yeah i i think maybe if there's a year not to do it this is it because there, there's so much just focus inward and, and and trying to establish that culture trying to establish two schemes and and, and all that um but I, I would expect them to probably go back to it next year or maybe a year after just because when, whenever this pandemic it, ends it feels like that 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 would help too i would i would yeah. say <laughs> all right we're taking a break when we come back jeremy has been at training camp uh all week he is going to vomit up his notebook just just uh, disgorge it like uh like an owl what what is it an owl regurgitate an owl pellet you want yeah yeah, yeah. he's going to give you the, he's going to give you the owl pellet of notes of training camp notes yes this is the time of year where guys give you notes we have notebooks and put it in notes and Jeremy has two points he wants to get to in particular about what he's seen at training camp. And then later on the show, me and Ryan are also going to grill Jeremy on various other questions we have. And we'll get you ready for the preseason because as we keep mentioning, it's coming. It's coming real fast. We're taking our first break here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast as we are now in the first week of training camp. Jeremy Reisman's here. He's got a whole notebook. He's got the notebooks. And we're going to be talking about that. Jeremy's trying to show the notebook on stream on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. And unfortunately, because Jeremy runs a green screen, it was completely invisible. And just, yeah, so that was fun. That's for our visual audience. And you can watch us live on twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit, where come the season, we're going to have a ton of stuff on there. We're going to have a full on post game show, uh, everything. So you want to be subscribed. You want to be following us on there and maybe kick us some money, which if you have Amazon Prime, you can kick us some a subscription for free each month. Sure. sure. Anyway, anyway, Jeremy, uh, I want to give the floor to you on this because you had uh, several big notes you wanted to get to 
on the Lions. Two two themes that you have said have been running through uh, the Lions this training camp so far. Yeah, I, I, I think I want to put two major storylines up for discussion so that you guys can, can get in. And, and we'll get into the, some of the nitty gritty about, um, you know, certain players and things like that in, in the final segment here. But in, mm-hmm. in this segment, I want to talk about two major issues. And, and let's start with the first one that we've already kind of touched on, at least briefly, and that's the coaching staff. Um, I think they've been a major storyline um, so far in training camp. There, there was the up down stuff day one and day two. Um, there's the fact that, you know, Aubrey, Ple- the former players seem to definitely be resonating with the current players. And the, I mean, just the entire culture, like like I said, there, there's definitely been a culture shift and whether it stays or not is is, is something we can discuss. But it, it's interesting. It's very different. It's very interesting. It, it, theor- on paper, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. You get a lot of former players who understand what these kind of players have to go through, what it takes to succeed in this league, because a lot of these guys did succeed in the league. And suddenly you also have a lot of people that can easily, easily relate to all these players. And it results in a more fun practice, a more energetic practice, and a practice where everyone just seems a little bit more in tune because they're not spending their time catching their breath or drinking Gatorade or, you know, down on one knee when, when there's breaks. They're spending it engaged with coaches. They're spending it going through personal reps on the sideline while special teams is going on. And so I guess, I guess the question that I want to propose to you guys is how much do you buy it all? We, we had Mike Payton write an article this week saying like he's reading all the reports. He's seeing everything we see in the camp. He's seeing the team building stuff they're doing, whether it's the up downs or watching David Blau's wife run the Olympics and, and, and get all excited together. We're seeing all this stuff and he, he's bought in. He thinks Campbell is the guy. He, I mean, and, and to an aspect, I almost agree. I like, I want to agree with him, but obviously we have to wait till the, the guys take the field. But this, this not only feels way different than what I've seen before coming out of Detroit, but it feels way different than anyone else is trying. And that to me, the fact that the Lions have a unique brand now where, of leadership, that's what really intrigues me. That's what makes me think maybe they have something special. What do you guys think? uh, Yeah, yeah. I I just, I'll push back a little bit because um, I know you guys talked about this. uh, We don't usually invoke the scraps here in the middle of a POD cast, but you guys were talking about how much you wanted to erase the Patricia era from your memory. And I, by the way, 120% agree on that. (laughs) And not even, uh, you didn't even get to the point that I would erase the most before it even got started. But I would say that it maybe the Patricia era has like clouded our judgment so much of what came before, sure. because I remember talking to Golden Tate and he would talk about how, you know, because we had him, Theo Riddick and uh, and Jones on the team and they were all Notre Dame grads. And I know Tate told me he got together and got together with those guys and they would watch like Notre Dame football games together on Saturdays. So it, it, we've we've had these kind of elements of of team chemistry of of like building before but i would also say not to this level not to this kind of level that we are seeing uh with this team right now and i don't know if i'm fully bought in i think that this offseason is probably the most perfect you can have of a alternative model to what we are used to in the nfl obviously though it's got a i it seems premature right now, just given that the talent on this team is still a little sus and it still has a lot more room to grow. And a lot of that's going to come with 
what's going to happen in off seasons with this with this front office to get that talent to continue to grow it. But I think right now, at the very least, like if you want to talk about blowing up this idea of that the Lions just mired in a history of misery, that's done well. It just needs to eventually translate into. I, I hate to be the guy who's just sitting here like a grouch going win ball games, but right. it's it's the reality of the situation at the end. It it's is. a it's a great feel good story. I wish more. Let me just put it this way. I wish more NFL teams were operated the way that Dan Campbell is operating this locker room. But it needs to it, it needs to eventually have some success. But again, 2020 isn't 2021, excuse me, is not going to be the end all be all of where that success comes. You might get some success in 2021, but it's not going to be the final product. So the great experiment to me, Jeremy, is. The Lions brought in this entire coaching staff, um, this quote unquote Avengers coaching staff of former players, right? Like that's the great experiment is that there's never, I don't think there's ever been a football team that has been so completely uh, composed of former players, especially guys who are so close to their playing days. Like, I mean, and, and I think what is most interesting about this formula it takes me back to the discussion we had with, with Herman Moore and, and, and Lomas Brown. It's, how different football is now from the very start. Like training camp is completely different. It's about keeping players as healthy and as fresh as possible. Whereas, you know, Lowe's talking about, you know, we needed those padded practices. We needed to take all those hits because we were getting hit all the time. Like we needed to get our bodies accustomed to going through, you know, just getting hit after hit after hit. And obviously the game has sped up. So, I mean, hits like that are they're a little bit different now. But I I think what I really see happening here is the great experiment is. You have a bunch of coaches who are much closer to that transitionary period from, you know, grueling, grueling Mm -hmm. practices to now this new way of football and you have these this coaching staff that's kind of like bridging that gap. I think that's the most interesting experiment that's going on this season and I hope that it can I hope that it can stay for a little while, right? And and I know a lot of people are getting ahead of themselves and it goes to Chris's point like you know, we need to see victories. We need to see wins on the board before we start talking about Deuce Daly becoming a head coach somewhere else and Aaron Glenn becoming a head coach somewhere else and and, you know, maybe Mark Brunel becoming an offensive coordinator somewhere or something like there's a lot of winning that has to happen before I think those things take place. But I want this experiment to kind of continue. Like, I want to see Antoine Randall as the receivers coach. I want to see, you know, all of these guys in Detroit and I want to see whether or not this thing can take off, because if yeah. we only get one year of it, it doesn't feel like it's enough time to right. take. Root. Yeah, it, it, it's it's Kool-Aid. It's Kool-Aid. but. It's more promising Kool-Aid, I feel like, having observed now four different coaching staffs for the Lions, this is probably the most promising of the Kool-Aid. If you're going to stack it up against Jim Schwartz, you're going to stack it up against uh, Jim Caldwell, if you're going to stack it up against Matt Patricia, you, this, is, this is the most like, okay, I see the upside to this Kool-Aid the most. And again, to, to the point about how many former players are in here? Deuce Staley, his last year was in the 2000s. Anthony Lynn was from the 90s, but like all these other guys who were former players, Mark Brunel, Antoine Randall L. Um, 
They played well into the loss. Aaron Glenn. Glenn. Yeah, uh, Dan, Cam- Dan Campbell Dan himself, Campbell. Yeah. all playing into the late 2000s. So they, to, I mean, to, like these aren't guys either from the ver- like the ancient past of the NFL, nor yeah. are they guys who peaked out at Rensselaer Polytechnic. And here's here's the thing. We all talk, we talked about this a lot during the offseason. We're like, wow, this is an interesting thing. Like, I wonder I wonder how it's going to play out. Like a lot of these guys are, are first timers at their p- position. That That's something that that that's a risk, right? Like having these guys do jobs that they've never done before. But they've also brought along some, you know, long term vets that they can help aid them on that sort of stuff. But now I've seen it. Hmm. Now I've seen these guys being able to relate to the players. And, and part of it is, yes, they're these young guys who just got done with their NFL careers. Part of it is that they know, they understand how players are motivated differently now. A lot of them, you know, they, they're on social media. They, 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 they are a little more, you know, vocal. They, they, they understand the power that they have in negotiations and in, in all this sort of stuff. And I see it on the field and I see the players respond to them. And I, it's got me very, very excited for the future. And, and you're right, Ryan, like, I hope this lasts more than a year. But I think with the way that they've seen the success already in the way that they've changed a the culture very quickly and, and are, are getting positive responses from their players. I, I mean, who's to say they just can't grab another former player that's that's coming up the ranks? Yeah, and they, they have that brotherhood. So, like, if, if they have at least a modicum of success, I think other former players seeing this model will want to come join that model. It's just yeah. that, again, you have to, to weigh that against how most people who are, have the bird's eye view of the NFL right now are saying the Lions are going to be one of the worst teams in the league right now. And you can't just then go and say Detroit versus everybody. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. We, we have to, I have to figure out how we bridge the hope and kind of the reality of the situation and yeah. figure is, out where that comes out. This is a great yeah. transition to my second point. Yes, <laughs> because I don't think the offense is very good right now. I think the offense is bad right now. I think the defense is miles ahead of them. And sure, if you're if you're Ryan Matthews, you can take that as Aaron Glenn coach of the year. You and said maybe, it. maybe 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 there's some truth to that. <laughs> but to me, the offense just does not have the kind of chemistry that I need to see right now. And that's why the, the, in the first segment I said, I need to, I need to see something out of it in the red zone. They seem troubled and sure. Red zone is tough for offense. You, you've got a shortened field. You've got a lot of defenders in a small amount of area. And, and, and also to be clear, we're only talking about the passing offense really so far they're, they're running plays. They're running the ball a little bit, but without pads, you can't really tell how much of a success that is. You can't really run effective play action because no one needs to really buy bite on a run play when you're not actually tackling but I'm concerned because no wide receiver is standing out. Jared Goff looks hesitant. He doesn't look willing to even attempt some of the passes that Matthew Stafford did. And I don't know if that's a hesitancy because he's coming off of two years where he turned the ball over a heck of a lot. I don't know if it's because his receivers aren't getting open like they should be. I don't know if it's just because we don't have the pads on and, and it's not high intensity yet, but I have concerns. I have major concerns about this offense right now. And I'm willing to wait it out. I mean, we're not even the first preseason game in. But I'm, I'm a little worried that the, that the defense is, is so ahead of the offense at this point. So someone talk me down a little bit. I mean, I, I won't talk you down, but I will bring up two points. Number one, we kind of, we kind of had this concern that this might be what Jared Goff is. Yeah. And that was always a possibility. I always pushed back on it, and I will continue to push back on it until I have 
the full picture of Jared Goff for this year. But there was always the possibility that Jared Goff was going to be something um, irreparable after his time with the Rams. Um, I just I just got the football outsiders almanac and um, the the dip in his DVOA between uh, is not good. And to and I, I don't have the number up in front of me. It goes into triple digits negative in in uh, it's it's not it's not good what happened that last year with the Rams. Um, also, the Lions with their wide receiver, they're getting what they're spending right, uh, right now with their, you know, their their skill positions on offense. Only 15 percent of their cap is going to running backs and, and wide receivers. And yeah, TJ Hawkinson is your primary weapon right there, but um, you kind of need you you the the way the NFL is going, you need a multitude of of options, not just your tight end. Jeremy, I can talk you down. You ready for yeah. this? Please. Okay. Please. So I I mean, I I think I think that you're making the right assessment in terms of you need to kind of wait and see because the pads haven't come on yet. The the one highlight or the one thing that we're supposed to be really excited about this team is their offensive line. And you, you can't tell who they are until they put pads on. Okay. And like you said, you can see some quote unquote running plays, but I mean, running plays are the definition of physicality in football. And when you can't have pads on, you can't do those things. Some other things of note, I think I was watching the Jared Goff mic'd up session. And while there was um, some attempts at humor, Jared Goff is like not a funny guy, but while he's a, while goober. He's a goober, we've all known yeah, that for years. And you know what? That's that's what makes him funny is that he's, he's a goober. goober yeah. now. Well, didn't, didn't we just didn't we learn that on when the Rams were on hard knocks with yes. uh, Jeff Fisher? Yeah, he he's so aloof that he's like really likable. And I mean that in like the most like um, I mean that in the nicest way possible. But what, what, what the one thing that stood out to me that I thought was really actually beneficial or uh, um, kind of like insightful of the entire uh, mic'd up session was a comment that he made to Tyrell Williams where he goes, uh, if you can't yeah. see my eyes and I can't see you, that's like basic chemistry building 101 with your yeah. wide receivers. This is an offense that aside from the offensive line, Everyone's what if these guys have played together? Yeah. Jamal Williams is a yeah. new running back. Jamar Jefferson is a new running back. Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perryman, you know, Khalif Raymond, Damian Ratley. I mean, and even the guys that are like practice squad players like Victor Bolden, like these are all new guys. These are it's guys that room. have never played with Jared Goff. And if you want one mark of whether or not an offense is going to be successful or it's going to fall flat on its face, it's the quarterback position, right? Yeah. So I, I think that hopefully what you see is that hesitancy starts to get peeled back as Jared Goff becomes more comfortable about where his guys are going to be. Cause I think that's the thing that we really probably didn't appreciate enough about Matthew Stafford's game was the rapport that he built with his wide receivers and just knowing like, Hey, I can put this ball here because I know Calvin can get that ball there or I'll put that ball like down there. So golden Tate can grab it off the turf and then he'll turn it up, you know, 15 yards for, for some yak. That's the thing that's going to happen with Jared Goff. Hopefully, but it's kind of a wait and see game, right? I, I hate to do this, but I found the stat. I found the stat I was looking for on Jared Goff. This is from last year. Um, so defense value over average, right, is the stat that Football Outsider uses, kind of a catch-all. Uh, you know, we 
a lot of the new stats and a lot of the new analytic stats in sports, you're trying to find like a measure for you. Right. And that's what DVOA is trying to do. So Goff's uh, last year, he had a 55.8% passing DVOA without pressure. With pressure, that goes down to a negative 126.8% DVOA. That was last year. For people that don't that's, know what DVOA, that's astronomical. That's, that's an astronomical difference. That's holy God, that's the night and day. So that's that's the problem on Jared Goff. He has that's what's in his past right now. And that's what he has to get over here. And we we, we haven't seen that yet. Like there there is a quote unquote pass rush a little bit, but again, no pad. So it's not a real pass. Right. Rush. And, and there's there's real questions on how good Goff is outside of a Sean McVay system. We had only one year, his rookie year, where he wasn't being coached by Sean McVay. And that was with Jeff Fisher. And once again, going back to DVOA, because again, I just spent about $30 on this almanac and damn it, I want to use it. Um, minus 74.8% rookie passing DVOA. That was under Jeff Fisher. So you got to be better than that. And you got to be better than last year too. And that was always that, but that was always the, the case, right? It was always, this is a reclamation project and you see what you have. I know the front office talks well about how much they are invested into Jared Goff, but I don't think that holds up after this year. And I feel like this year is just the holding pattern while they just sit on a King's ransom worth of first round draft picks to be moved for when they want to pull the trigger and go get a good quarterback for the future. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I, I think Ryan did a good job of talking me down a little bit. Uh, I, I think I think maybe more of my concern is almost on the wide receiver core, just because I'm not seeing anything there. I'm just not yeah. like Rashad Perriman has made one play in five practices. I think that goes to Chris's point, right? Is like you kind of get what you paid for with these players. And right. while while the driving narrative over the offseason was, hey, you got all these guys who have a chip on their shoulder. They're going to come in and play for contracts and for their spot in the NFL. Like the other side of that token is, well, they're getting paid what they're getting paid and they're right. playing for the Detroit Lions on a one year contract because this is where their careers are right now. So right. and yeah, and you, you, I mean, you make a good point about chemistry like that. It's it's ridiculous to believe that they should have everything lock and stepping out like they did do offseason workouts with each other and they had OTAs as well and minicamp and sort of stuff. But I think I think what sticks in my craw and feel free to come at me, everyone who at tweets me anytime I mention his name. It just hurts watch, watching Matthew Stafford throw mm -hmm. no, look, no look passes to his receivers in Los <laughs> Angeles. He, he, he's clicking already. I've seen Matthew Stafford's on on. I've seen his face on ESPN more than yeah. I've seen him more more in a than he did in 12 years yeah, i was gonna 100%. say usually if you saw him on espn it was like a still image of him before they go to like the football highlights <laughs> on sports center or something and that was probably market dictated like if you're yeah. in detroit like you saw that but like no like legitimately it, yeah that's the frustrating part is that like oh matthew stafford can make no look passes it's like yeah He's been doing that for a decade. Well, we've hit the we've hit <laughs> the copium. We've we've hit the copium side of our notes. So I feel like we should take a break, Jeremy. And uh, I want to then on the other side, I want me and Orion to attack you with questions we have about camp. Put you on the spot to see what else is in that little notebook that you can that you can just throw out at us as we give you superlatives. And you know, I want to know who's the best at doing X at training camp. 
So we'll give you a little time in the locker room to warm up and we come back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. That's how we're going to attack the rest of Notebook. I'm at me, bro. Back again on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Damn, Daniel. Um, let's see. Where were we? Notebooks. Right. We got notebooks here. We're emptying them out. And now we're going to try to throw curveballs past Reisman and see what he can, how badly he can swing on some of these. Um, Jeremy, my question to start. These aren't quite superlatives. I might have some superlatives. I don't want to wear out the superlative title too much, though, because I feel like it's a good bit we have when we go to superlatives, and I don't want to make people tired about them. So I'm, I'm hedging myself a little bit here, but we did throw it out to our live Twitch audience to give us some questions. I will read some of them. So once again, if you're not watching us live, twitch.tv slash pride to Detroit. But listen, we love that you're downloading the podcast, too. So we'll we will. Uh, we'll get, get us on both fronts. Anyway, the first one I have to Jeremy is from my own personal stash here. Most player you are most excited about seeing with the pads on when the pads come on on Tuesday. Penesul. I mean, Penesul? it's an easy answer, but offensive and defensive line play has been really hard to assess thus far. And, and like Ryan said at the top, like that, that's, that makes a lot of the new pieces hard to assess because not only Penesul, you're talking about their second and their third round pick and only McNeil and Levi owns So a lot of those guys too, um, you know, if, if you want me to throw a defensive guy on the ball and maybe, maybe not a rookie, I think, I think maybe Julian O'Quara is a guy that I'm still very intrigued to see what he has because obviously his rookie season was uh, kind of thrown to the side with, with injuries. So I'd love to see him make some progress. He's going to be you know part of the rotation, obviously, this year. Not not going to be a starter, but he's going to be part of that rotation. Uh, and then Ali McNeil would probably be my second pick because the guy has been a starter all of training camp so far. They are going to rely on Ali McNeil a lot this year. And so I want to see what he's got as, as a nose tackle because every indication so far is he's going to be starting and he's going to play a lot. All right, Jeremy, I got a question for you. Hit me. The Lions have 15 offensive linemen. Yes. How many do you think are going to end up making the team? It's, it's probably going to be in that 9 to 10 range. I mean, we got the five starters, and I don't think we have to talk much about any battle there. I think, I think they're all set. I, I don't think there's, there's a battle for a starting position. At the moment, uh, then you have to imagine they, they keep at least two tackles, and those most likely guys are, are Tyler Crosby and, and Matt Nelson. So you're already up to seven there. Um, then then it becomes tricky. Logan Stenberg was was a topic of discussion today, and I wouldn't say that Dan Campbell gave him a ring endorsement. He he called him a calf or something. He you know, you oh. know a pup. Uh, you know, a, a very young player who we he basically said like we don't know what we have in him, but we need to see development. And that's that's not that's not a ringing endorsement. That's saying, like, you're on the roster bubble, bud. You better you better pick it up. And so um, there are going to be some guys they have to make decisions on in the interior there. And that's that's going to be the tricky thing, because there's not a lot of experience there. Um, maybe Evan Bame, the, the guy that they picked up today, um, he's a guy with experience. There's a legitimate chance he could make the spot, make a spot because all the other Evans haven't really made it onto the field yet. And I don't I couldn't really tell you much about Evan Brown or Evan Heim. Um, Drake Jackson is a guy who's basically a pure center, but he's been getting a lot of reps with the second team. 
with all those guys out. So he's got a, a leg up on some of those guys. So, you know, I, I, it's probably more in the eight, nine range than nine to 10, but um, a lot, a lot of those decisions are still going to have to be played out. All right. Um, let me ask you then from another question I have who, and we might have to exclude Jamal Williams from this because it seems like that's always the go-to answer. Cause we love him to death. Yeah. Who is having the most fun out there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely let me, let me, bis- so, let me bisect yeah. this. Yeah, I want a player and I want a coach. And I'm going I, to take Jamal Williams and Deuce Staley off your list. That's fair. I think Jeff Okuda might be the answer. Because when, uh, when Josh Jacobs had the interception, and, and those two have an interesting relationship where, where um, he's basically like Jeff Okuda is already a mentor for an undrafted rookie, which to me shows an incredible amount of maturity and, you know, shows that he's a guy that doesn't want to see another rookie go through all the, the turbulation that he did. So that, that to me, like, first of all, I know that's not what you asked. I think that's amazing from Jeff Okuda. But when Jerry Jacobs had that interception, he was the first one with a huge smile on his face, like doing the airplane celebration, like, oh, and, you know, you know how, you know, when a, a team gets an interception these days, they, they just basically all go in a group, run, run a lap. And he was he was the first guy out there. So I think he's having a ton of fun. Um, if I had to pick a coach that's having an equal amount of fun, it, it's probably Aaron Glenn. He's, he's a guy that really, really likes to trash talk the other side of the field. I mean, hit, it's basically him and Deuce Staley are the ones that are drawn at each other for most of practice. I think I think I want to talk about Aubrey Pleasant a little bit at some point because I think he is a phenomenal coach. And I think he has coordinator, head coach, all that sort of stuff uh, in his future. He's still very young in his career, but he's a guy that is so involved in coaching where he's you know he's the one going through the steps too and um he's he's the one that that's able to to not only tell how to do things but show how to do things and you can just see how drawn everyone in that secondary is to him and so i think he's having a lot of fun out there too who is the guy jeremy that you got to training camp and you said i did not realize that guy was that big (laughs) Um, I want to say Darren Fells, but I kind of already knew that from OTAs because that guy is huge. And also because he was already here once. <laughs> yes, that, yeah. that, that as well. <laughs> um, Javon McKinley, I would say, is the second one, uh, the, the UDFA wide receiver. Um, when he came out, he, I think he missed the first day or two of, of camp. And then, you know, eight, there was an 83 that came out. I'm just like, who the hell is 83? That guy is huge. He must be a tight end. No, it's Javon McKinley. That dude is just kind of big. Um. Wisco, Wisco Lion fan wants to ask you, who is in the lead for the long snapper battle? <laughs> Very important question. Uh, I, I, no, it is. It is. Uh, I, I can't imagine Don Mulebach not, not winning that job. Um, he's been first in reps. I love Mulebach's bafflement at, at people because I feel like we've made him a bit of a meme here. Yeah. That Pride of Detroit power has kind of risen up. And he because I, I know he has said on the record multiple times here before, I don't understand what your fascination is with me. Yes. And I feel like we kind of goaded the rest of the beat writers into accepting Mulebach as a meme. In in a way, he's just like, is this a Bieber song where, <laughs> where he's it's you don't know you're beautiful. That's what makes you beautiful. That's Don Mulebach. Hmm. That's profound. That's damn profound, <laughs> Jeremy. Uh, but I will also use this opportunity to say that I would be shocked at this point if uh, if uh, 
if Randy Bullock doesn't win the kicker job because because Matthew Wright had a real rough Saturday where he just kicked two or three ducks in a row. Like he went three for six during a session and the last two or three, which were from like 42, 43 yard lines were not close. They were really bad. Jack Fox season, baby. Uh, JC Paxton, which receiver can beat out Perryman? I'm sorry to say the answer is probably none. (laughs) Um, but I will say if there's, I mean, I, I, I can't say that there's been a lot of receivers that have given out a pro- positive impression in training camp. But if there is one, I would say it's Khalif Raymond. Um, he's, he's not, I wouldn't say he's in battle for a, an outside position. He can play a little bit of the outside, but he's been mostly used in the slot as a number two in the slot behind Amonra. Um, Khalif Raymond has looked, and, and since he's running with the twos, you know, he, he's going against two defenders. But the fact that he's standing out against two defenders shows me that he might get some playing time. Like I, I almost it's, it's way too early to call him a lock, but I, he has gone from being like him and Victor, Victor Bolden are neck and neck to like, okay, how can I also hit Victor Bolden fit Victor Bolden on the roster? Because I think Khalif is in good. Um, I don't want to hit you with any questions that are like, which UDFA is going to make the roster. Cause you've seen like four, five practices and all of them without pads. Um, yeah. so, I, I guess what I want to ask you, I was going to ask you as kind of a joke about like, why did the Lions do what they did at the kicker position? Um, but um, what part, what, what part, because you, you mentioned the defense has played so much better than the offense. Like, what about the defense seems to be the magic elixir so far? Or what, what, what about the defense so far has been better than advertised? I think part of it is the chemistry. Um, it feels like everyone is, is moving together and understands where everyone else is. I think a lot of that is, is led by the back four. Um, and, and to be fair, like the secondary, they're the easy ones to assess right now because they don't have pads on. Like, I can't tell you that the pass rush is a lot improved because the pads aren't on. Um, line, linebacker play looks acceptable at this point. Sean Dion Hamilton is, has been a bit of a surprise. I think he's a guy that, that could legitimately make the team. He's he's certainly making the most of the of the opportunity of having no Jalen Reeve Maben who continue. Um, so he's a guy that I think has helped a lot. And like if I if I can just point to one example, and I, I talked about it in my my eight things I learned article. Um, there was there was a crossing route from Hawkinson, and Tracy Walker jumped it, and Goff noticed that he jumped it. So like we have Hawkinson going this way, Tracy Walker jumps it. And then Goff throws a back shoulder to this side and it wasn't an accurate throw. So it was incomplete. But even if he caught it, Will Harris was right there. So like the safeties had converged very quickly on that route. They knew where it was going. um, Walker made it like he, he made an aggressive play. It was a bit of a risky play. But if, you know, if Hawkinson goes in the other direction there, he's still covered. Yeah. And so so that's, that's only the kind of play that you make when you're, when you're feeling pretty comfortable and you're feeling pretty sure of yeah. yourself in your scheme, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're feeling like you feel like you can play like yourself, which is something he has specifically said that he feels now. I think I'm good on my notes here. Do we have uh, any more questions for Jeremy? I, I don't see any hands raised for the class. So, so, so I think this Jeremy, is a good place. You've, a- to you've answered all of it. Congratulations. I did it. We emptied the notebook, <laughs> which means the notebook has to be filled again. This yeah. doesn't and, and feel it, like it was a padded practice. This feels like it was right. some seven on sevens. Yeah, you're, we're, we're working our way in. And, and next week, 
you guys are going to come harder because they're, they're, and you know, there's going to be a lot more to talk Settle about. Settle down just a little bit. All right. All right, guys. Uh, but then the week after that, then, you know, me and Ryan get to be involved because then we get to be watching. We're good. You're not going to be the only one covering this ish. We're going to be able to be watching preseason. Oh, I'm locked in on preseason, baby. I, I wish I could say I was as excited about preseason, but I'm still just a, you know, a bum who it's like, it'll be cool. But also at the same time, I say that before every preseason game, like, yeah, I'm going to watch everything. And uh, those fourth quarters were grueling. Reason to watch this year, though. No, there is. We've we I did we talk about that during a break that there is more reason to. Or did we say that in segment? I'm, I'm tired and I've completely forgotten. Um, we'll untangle the POD cast and the scraps, but yes, the, this preseason, a lot more reason to watch than the past. And with that, we wrap up the pride of Detroit POD cast. As always, thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. Uh, subscribe, download, do all the things that you do. Find me on Twitter at Chris Perfett, Jeremy at Detroit online, Ryan at Ryan underscore POD. We say it every time as we sign off, we will see you star side. Goodbye, everyone. Next week, more lions, more notebooks, more notes.